0: Today we're diving into a very special topic, something that we talk a lot about here, and in fact, all the time. And as how to speed up your sales cycle with video, we're gonna t- we're gonna go through three major things, and you're gonna walk away with every single one of them. Number one is why video is the greatest teaching and trust building tool in the world. Number two is the seven specific video types uh, that we've tested with ourselves and with our clients that are proven to shorten sales cycles. And number three where to start when incorporating these videos in your sales and marketing strategy. Zach, take it away.
1: Today's topic, by the way, is near and dear to my heart because I like to consider myself a video guy. It's kind of how I got uh, um, my, my little bit of uh, stardom in the content marketing spaces by specializing in video uh, so I love talking about it. I love answering questions about it. I love helping people with it. It's something that's a, a, a real passion of mine. So the fact that we get to talk about today is really exciting. And so here's my question for you to ponder as we get started today, which is what percentage of your sales enablement content today is video based? Based on what we see uh, with the the studies nowadays of, of the percentage of all all. Uh, internet traffic, all user internet traffic, somewhere around 80% is video-based, 80%. So if you said anything around 5 10% of your, your content is video-based, well, we see we've got a bit of a misalignment here because uh, this is the way that for so many of us, uh, we, we consume a lot of video, it informs our purchasing decisions, and it should be a really important thing for us as a business, but especially when it comes to our sales enablement. A little bit about our journey with uh, video content over the years, uh, roughly eight years ago, we really, we could see that there were some, some patterns emerging in the way that people use content to inform their buying decisions, but specifically how they used video to inform those decisions. But at that time, for a lot of companies, what their strategy was, is that they would go to, to a video production house and they'd get a few uh, videos made, uh, you know, a year, they would spend tens of thousands of dollars on it. And then at the end of that year, they'd really not have much to show for it. So it wasn't really much of a strategy at all, but that's what we were doing at that point. So we said to ourselves, is there a better way? Is there a way that we could teach this to companies so as to develop a culture of of communication through video in-house? And by doing so, they could do it much cheaper, much faster, and more effectively, they actually would have something to show for it uh, in terms of revenue. And you know, a lot of agencies told us, you can't do that, right? You got to produce the stuff. You can't teach people how to do it. We said, you're wrong. And thus began our journey of really becoming a, um, a company that really specializes in teaching companies how to do this. And everything I'm going to share with you today has been a result of that journey that we've had with so many companies in all sorts of different industries all over the world doing different things and never saying to themselves, yeah, but that only applies to that other industry, right? But we are different. We're not a very visual type of industry. Those companies didn't say that. In fact, a specific story that comes to mind that I want to share with you is about my friend uh, Ellie here. Now, Ellie is an interior designer for a company called Lazy Boy Southeast. They are um, a subsidiary of the larger Lazy Boy brand. I imagine many of you have probably heard of that before. Uh, They're very comfortable recliners. If you don't have one, you should probably get one. Well, they came to us and they said, we want to be the most trusted voice in the furniture buying space. When anybody has a question about buying a a recliner or sofa or any kind of furniture, we want to be the ones that give them the answer. We want to be the teacher. And of course, for them, that meant they were going to have to produce a lot of content, written content, video content. They were going to have to do it all and do a bunch of it. And so naturally, the first thing they had to do if they wanted to take video seriously was to hire a videographer. So they brought on. A gentleman, his name is Sean. He's fantastic. And so, Sean, as a new in house videographer, he one day strolls into Ellie's store and he says, Ellie, I know you've never been on camera before, but I need your help. We have a lot of questions that we got to answer for our customers. You need to be willing to do it on video. And and so, that's what we're doing now. How do you feel about that? Now, what are the thoughts? That you think are probably going through Ellie's mind at this point, right? She probably wasn't expecting this. So she's probably thinking to herself, Really? Is that the best use of my time? Right? Or or I'm an interior designer, I'm not a video person. Like, can't you find somebody different or better to do it? And these are natural, you know, responses to uh being asked to be on camera all of a sudden, right? It's fear of the unknown, not really sure what's gonna happen. But she said to herself, okay. If this is what we're doing, I'll put my best foot forward. And so her and many of her colleagues began to participate in their videos. They create a lot of video content. Now, once that video content was created, now it's published up on the internet. Anybody on the whole, and the whole world can get on there and watch these videos. And now this is where doubt phase number two begins. Because now that the content is up there for the whole world to see, now what might Ellie be thinking? She could be thinking to herself, Well, is that the best job I could have done? Could I have said that thing a little bit differently? Could I have gone a little bit deeper there? Was I having a good hair day that day? Which I relate with, by the way. All of these things, right? And again, these are natural fears, natural things that we could be thinking. But then something really interesting started to happen. Because as these videos started to get published, the views started to go up on those videos. And then those views turned into people actually walking into the stores. And they would walk in the stores and they would ask for people that they had seen in the videos by name. They would ask for people like Ellie by name. In fact, a, a particular story uh, about Ellie, I, I love talking about this because it's, it's just so inspiring as to what's possible. Um, I got this email one day from, their, uh, from a member of their team and it says, uh, good morning all. Recently, I was talking to Cece in our Pineville store and she happened to mention that Ellie was on a house call. She told me that this customer came into the store and demanded to work with Ellie because she watched a video on YouTube and liked her personality. Cece sent me a copy of her sales ticket, which is located below. And the total on that ticket was $10,000. That's a pretty good sale. That's a good day. That's a good day for Ellie and, and the folks at Lazy Boy Southeast. Now, when they sent this to me, I immediately reached out to them. I said, y'all, this is amazing. This is exactly what we've been working on. Tell me more. They said, Zach, you're not going to believe this. When she went out to this particular customer's home, the customer couldn't stop saying, wow, I can't believe there's a celebrity in my house right now. Now let's time out for a second. What on earth would cost somebody to say that they're working with a celebrity? It's because this magical thing had happened. They felt like they really knew and could trust Ellie. Now, could this sale have happened without that person watching those videos? Of course, could have happened. Could they have walked in there and still found Ellie and still found her amazing? Yes, absolutely. But is it possible that that customer could have felt that tremendous level of trust towards Ellie and towards that company had they not seen that video beforehand? I think you make a good case It wouldn't have happened if that video content was never created. And it's stories like this that show us that video, amongst all of the other types of content that we could produce, it's the only type of content that allows prospects and customers to see us before we see them, to hear us before we hear them, and to know us before we know them. If we do these things well enough, it leads to this wonderful thing known as trust. That's the principle here. It's not about adapting to trends or, or, you know, looking like you're cutting edge and cinematic and all those things. Those things are good. But the goal and the principle really of video and visual communication is that it's a tool that can help us earn more trust. And of course, that's what we're constantly asking ourselves
2: ourselves, when it comes
1: to our content. Now, this is the great uh, equalizer, I would say, when you're talking with companies and uh, you, you're, you're talking with them about creating content for their customers. So everyone kind of has their own general idea of what or how they would define a great video. So I want you to think to yourself, how would you, in your own terminology, define a great video for yourself as a viewer or a consumer of? that content. Some people say things along the lines of, well, it's, you know, it's easy to watch. And that can mean many things, right? So it's got the graphics, it's got a nice structure to it, it's got good audio, right, which is something by the way, none of us want to watch a video that has bad audio. So we, we say that that's probably quality of a great video. You might say something like, well, it's focused on the viewer. It's focused on me, like my problems, my needs, my questions, things that I care about, and not just a big uh, pitch for something. A lot of people will say, well, Zach, I think a great video is short. We'd love to say that one, right? That's got to be quick. I think what we really mean when we say that is it, it's, it gets to the point. It's, it doesn't waste my time. Um, it shows me what I need to see. It tells me what I need to know. But what's interesting about this is if we define a great video like that, it's focused on us. It's easy for us to watch. It doesn't waste our time. It shows me what I need to see, tells me what I need to know. If those are the things we obsess over, then why is it for so many companies, the video that they think they need that's going to change the game for them is not about us video. Oh, we need to be talking more about ourselves, right? We need to be showing ourselves better. Right? And that's the stuff that's going to earn us the trust. That's not how so many of us would define a great video, a great experience as a viewer. We want things that are focused on us. And so, so what do we do? How do we break through from the, just the about us video? Well, I'm pleased to tell you that we've got seven types of videos we're gonna talk about today. We call these the selling seven because these are videos that close more deals. They earn more trust. They shorten the sales cycle. They're rooted in principles of communication and of building trust versus just, do we have videos that we can display on our website, right? We've got to tie things back to principles. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, and you don't, you can't see it. I will be showing some video examples in in this episode of But We're Different, and so make sure you check it out on YouTube or on Spotify, where you can actually see the video if you want to see the the videos themselves. But you're still going to be able to hear it, and we'll still talk about these things. And so let's get into the selling seven. First part of the selling seven is what we call eighty percent videos. Now here's where that name comes from. If you go to most sales teams. In fact, we've done this poll like all over the world, all types of teams. And you ask those teams, out of all of the questions that you get during the first sales appointment, what percentage of those questions are the same every single time? In other words, are so the questions that always come up? They'll tell you somewhere around 80% of the questions are the same every single time. So the question we have to ask ourselves then is, Why do we keep answering these, right? Is there a possibility that we could address these before that interaction? And if we could address them before that first interaction, what would be the result? Well, if they don't have to ask them, then you can focus on other things. So you can not only have a shorter meeting, but you can focus on getting them through the sales cycle cycle quicker, perhaps. If he sent it before that first interaction, now look, they see you, they hear you, they know you before that first interaction interaction. So it's a good opportunity for us to build trust. And if you go to most of these teams, by the way, that say 80% of the questions are the same, when you ask them what those questions are, they can easily tell you what the questions are. In fact, for the team at New Tech Machinery, uh, this was actually a big problem for them because they were doing pretty good at generating contacts. In other words, people that would raise their hand and say, I want to talk to a salesperson. But the problem was many of these leads weren't actually qualified to buy anyways. They weren't a good fit and they wouldn't have been able to afford the machines anyway. So what do you do there, right? You can't just staff up a bigger sales team to work with people who aren't qualified. You got to figure out a way to, to disqualify folks sooner. And that comes in the form of answering questions that you typically hear on the first appointment. And so here's how they address that. Hi, I'm Clark Knapp from New Tech Machinery. This video will answer some of the common questions we receive.
0: Our panel machines are good for both. We've got the SSR, which is the MultiPro Junior, the residential machine, that's what the R stands for, and the SSH, which is a hydraulically powered and sheared machine. And both of those machines run residential panels. While the SSQ runs both residential and commercial profiles. We build a wide variety of portable roll-forming equipment but we focus on seamless gutter machines and portable roof panel machines. Our seamless gutter machines start at about $6,200 US and go up from there depending on the size and configuration of the machine needed. As far as our roof panel machines go, they start at about $27,000 US and go up from there depending on whether the machine's residential, light commercial, or commercial. All
1: right, now you can see that's a Stark difference from sending an about us video. I mean, it's almost laughable to think that that's what we would think would move the needle. But in this case, we're just addressing what we know they're probably going to ask, right? Are your machines better for residential or commercial? Well, as it turns out, we've got two models, the SH, SSQ and the SSH, or whatever it was, and talking about price. Did they go into some long, drawn out explanation of why their machines are priced the way they're priced and how you could get a more accurate, uh, uh, The price? No, we just handled the question head on. Our machines start at this. And so for them, this has been an incredible tool that they can use for qualifying and disqualifying on the front end by just being willing to say and answer the question What do these machines cost? What type of machines do you have? I mean, it's not some in depth type of thing, but you can see where this would immediately be applicable within the sales process. These 80% videos, folks have been some of the most influential videos that any sales team can have. I've seen it time and time again. You can use them on the front end. You can use them during the sales process. You can use them on your homepage. And look, all you're doing is answering questions that you hear all of the time. That's the 80% video. Next up in the selling seven, we have what we call bio video. So I wanna walk you all through a a scenario you've likely been in before. Uh, Let's say you're in a retail environment. And you're at like a, you know, electronic store, or you're at the, the, the hardware store and you're standing there in front of that rack and you're looking at all of your different options in front of you. And then that, that person in that nice, bright polo or apron walks up to you, seemingly a okay person. And they, and they ask you an innocent question. They say, Hey, can I help you? What is our reaction in that moment? low-stakes environment, but for some reason, we all have the same, generally speaking, answer. Oh, no, I'm just browsing, right? Like, I'll come find you if I need you. And by the way, why can't you ever find them when you actually need them? I mean, what is going on in retail these days? But why do we do that? Why do we say that? This person is offering to help when we say, no, 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 I've got this. I'll come find you. Well, it's because we don't know this person. We don't trust this person. And we've been in a situation at some point in our life where we felt manipulated, pushed, pressured, just unhelped. And so we said to ourselves, I don't like being in that position. So I'm just going to tell them to go away. It's easier that way. Now, if that's the way that we are in a retail environment, how applicable is that to our interactions, our salespeople's interactions with our prospects? How many of them come into the process already saying to themselves, Gosh, I just hope that they're not. Going to uh, you know, pressure me, manipulate me, whatever. I, I'm going to put my guard up. I'm going to put my barrier up to make sure I don't get manipulated in some way. Happens all the time, whether we're realizing to, to admit it or not. And so, what, what can we do? right? How do we help them know us, see us, understand us beforehand? We do it with bio videos. Now, I'm going to show you an example of this the thing is, when I show these examples, it's easy to get caught up in the specific story of the person and lose sight of the principle. Remember, remember, the principle here is, if there's a way that we can help people get to know us before we meet them, that would be beneficial for us. And so let's look at this video from um, one of our brilliant clients here at Impact, Daniel Lane. They sell, um, they sell uh, human hair wigs. Pretty cool product, very high end, very very snazzy, so to speak. And we're gonna we're gonna meet one of their uh, sales reps. Her name is Tracy.
3: Hi, I'm Tracy, and I work at Daniel Elaine. I live in Huntington Beach, and um, I'm really excited to to share my story with you. My hair loss journey started when I was in my early twenties. So four years ago, I um, had to go through radiation because I've had numerous skin cancers on my scalp. And what I was left with was two bald spots um, on my scalp. I couldn't cover them anymore. So years ago, I had gone to Daniel Elaine. My daughter told me about him. I had bought other wigs in the past, and once I got them home, I never even wore them. I spent money on wigs that I knew when I walked out with them that I was never
1: going to wear it. Now we go on to hear, and by the way, isn't Tracy lovely? She's amazing. We go on to hear in her her bio video, not only was she a a, um, a former customer of Daniel Elaine, but really the impact that the product had on her life and on her self-esteem. And now she is so passionate about helping people with that same thing. It's a really beautiful story now the the there's no manipulation here in, in, in what I'm uh, proposing to you. What I'm saying is in this case, Tracy knows if people can know a little bit about me, about my story, perhaps that'll help us get set on the right foot when we have this interaction together. And by watching this, perhaps one of these people will say, "Wow, Tracy gets me that's the response we should want any of our prospects to have with our salespeople it doesn't have to be salespeople either. It could be anybody within the company. Is there a way that we can really build that high bonding experience and really allow people to get to know us and trust us in that way? Not in a manipulative way, but just what would they need to know or understand about us to help them trust us just a little bit more? That's the employee bio video. These, again, are really powerful. They can go into email signatures, they can go on meet the team pages, they can be used as introductions. Uh, depending on if you're transitioning between people within your organization, these are really great, powerful. They're uh, really fun to do as well. Third in the selling seven is landing page videos. Just to define what a landing page is for everybody, so we have a shared definition. Landing page is any page of the website that has a form on it where we're asking for sensitive information, very, very sensitive stuff, like our email, you know, or our telephone number. We guard the stuff with our life because generally. When you go to a landing page or you get to a forum on a website, and it's asking you for that sense of information. What's that fear that starts to well up inside of you? What's that feeling you start to get? Am I going to get spammed? Right. Do I really want to trust this company with my information? We get spammed even when we don't fill forums out. So we're even like more protective if we can control it. Right. So again, if this is the way that we feel when we're presented with forums, how many of your prospects and website visitors? Get to that form and are experiencing that same level of doubt and fear. What's going to happen when I fill this form out? And so, again, we're actually going to go, we're going to look at another example uh, from Tracy, actually, on the Daniel Elaine website. So, when you get to, the, to their book a consultation uh, page, of course, you've got to fill in your name and your email and pick a time and all that stuff. Again, how many people are going to be experiencing that feeling of what's going to happen? Am I going to get spammed? Are they going to like, misuse my information in some way, here's how they have handled that at Daniel Elaine.
3: I'm Tracy, one of the hair loss consultants here at Daniel Elaine. If you're watching this video, you are taking the first big step into considering wearing hair or simply just to learn more about what we have to offer. Here at Daniel Elaine, we understand taking the step to reach out for a consultation can feel scary, but we want you to know you are not alone. We have helped thousands of women just like you. Our experienced consultants will answer all your questions, listen to your concerns and needs, and help you find the best solution to make you feel empowered and take back the control you may feel you have lost over your hair loss journey. And remember, providing your contact information and booking a one-on-one consultation is private and stays between us. We will not share your information with anyone. We are here to provide you with a safe and comfortable environment.
1: Sometimes just saying, hey, we won't misuse your information is something you need to say. But at that point, ideally speaking, the prospects that are visiting Daniel Lane, they're thinking about booking a consultation. We we are checking the box of, are we doing whatever we can to help them feel better about filling that form out? I have seen these videos literally increase conversions on pages up to 250% just by adding a video, just by saying, we're not going to spam you. We're not going to share your information. That's literally how easy these are. These have a huge impact on our conversions. Fourth in the selling seven is what we call product service videos. These, these are the type of things that I think people think about when they think about, um, just videos for our organizations. Like it's gotta be product demos and things like that, right? Not quite. Product service videos, uh, really their major purpose for us as consumers is that they help us determine whether we're a good fit for something or not. Is this good for us or is it not? And so we we have to think to ourselves, a great product service page on our website. What does it do? What decisions does it help people make? Why is Amazon so dang appealing. Why is it that we love shopping there and we love getting even information from Amazon? Well, it puts all of that stuff we would want to know in one place so we can figure out for a good fit. It's got the reviews. It's got the specs. It's got the pictures. It's got the videos. It's got it all in one place. makes it really easy. Amazon's done that well. So how does that apply to us as businesses? When we talk about our products and services, or think about it this way. When most people talk about their products and services, what do they sound like? For too many, they sound like that pushy salesperson, right? They're biased. They're just trying to, to talk you into buying the thing. We don't love that as viewers, as, as consumers of the thing. In fact, the content that we love to watch about products and services is typically from third parties. It's like people on YouTube that are just like us that give a, a, an objective review of something. We value those things because again it's unbiased so i don't have an example i want to show you today of a product service video i'm going to do you better i'll give you the f- structure and the format of what a great product service video needs to include the first thing is it's got it's got to say what is the thing what's the product or service second part is who is it a good fit for who is it not a good fit for when should i buy it is there a right time or a wrong time to buy the thing why Should I buy it? What problem is it going to solve for me? What problem does it solve for most people? How much does it cost? And finally, how do I buy it? How do I go about buying it? Those six elements are what we've seen are the six six great elements of a product service page, but also of a product service video. But the principle is when we talk about our stuff, we got to ask ourselves, what decisions does this consumer need to make? And how can we help them with those in an objective, unbiased way? Number five, in the selling seven, you knew I was gonna sneak it in here. I mean, I know somebody knew I was gonna sneak this in here. Cost and price, baby. This is gonna come up at some point. Might as well rip the bandaid off and address it with video. In fact, I find that one of the best ways to talk about cost and price is through visual communication. Now, if we don't educate enough about this. We don't talk about it enough. Generally, what it's going to do for, our pro- for, for the folks that we're dealing with, for our prospects, they're going to go and find that information elsewhere. Let me tell you, you want to be the one that's teaching about cost and price. No matter if you're the cheapest or the most expensive option, you want to be the one leading that conversation. Now, there's a right and a wrong way to do that, of course. And I'm going to give you one example of a way one of our clients has, has addressed this. So we're going to watch this video from sheffield metals they're a metal roofing supplier um, great people great folks great they ask you answer strategy within their video content we're going to watch a little bit of a snippet here of one of their videos titled how much does a metal roof cost this has hundreds of thousands of views on youtube people love it and we'll talk about why
2: Hi guys i'm fab barnett welcome to the metal roofing channel when you're comparing metal roofing types uh, you've got a couple different choices you can make Adam is at his house right now and he's going to get a couple different bids from some contractors and we're going to take a look at a range of different metal roofing types. We've got multiple bids coming in and that's important because it assures that our contractors are both qualified and that our prices remain competitive. When a contractor comes to your house for a bid, they'll ask you some different questions, maybe take some measurements on your roof, uh, give you some examples, show you some different panels. In the description below, you can download a free checklist that we have created for you of questions you can ask a contractor at your next consultation, so you can make sure your bid is qualified. So here's a look at Adam's roof. As you can see, it's pretty simple. It's about 3,000 square feet. And all of the quotes that we're going to take a look at today include tear off of the original shingles, as well as some minor modifications to the plywood deck, if necessary, and a synthetic underlayment. The first panel type that we have quoted today is a 29 gauge exposed fastener panel with an SMP paint system. Our range of bids started at around $3.75 a square foot and went to somewhere around $4.05 a square foot. For Adam's 3,000 square foot residential home, that came out to about $11,250 to maybe about $12,150.
1: Now, here's the interesting thing about the way that they chose to do this. What they could have done, in a video titled, How Much Does a Metal Roof Cost? They could have just talked about a bunch of their products and what their you know, starting prices are or whatever, but they didn't do that because that's not the way that you're going to ultimately have a roof installed. When you have a roof installed, you're going to call a contractor to come out and give you a quote. And you could tell them that they could spec anything, right? I mean, you could tell them, I want metal roof, shingle, whatever. But the way that you're going to go about this is you're going to talk to the contractors. So what did they do? They said, we're going to take a 3,000 square foot house And we're going to get a range of bids and give you the range that we get so that you 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 do, you'll get a range the same way you would if you had multiple bids, but this is speeding up the process for you. Now, they did talk about some, some of their products in that video. Those were the products that they were getting quoted, but this is what obsessing over the way that the buyer thinks really looks like. They took us through the process of buying the thing the way that we would buy it. And that's what makes this a really great cost and price video. They gave you a range. They talked about the things uh, that you're going to have to uh, know in order to properly get a quote for a roof. Love that one. Too many people aren't doing cost and price videos this way. You can. It's a superpower. That moves us on into the sixth element of the selling segment. It's what we call the claims we make. This is another one that I'm not going to show you an example of. I'm going to do better for you. I'm going to talk us through the principle and exactly how you can do one of these videos. Now, the claims we make. I want you to think about the major claims that you make as an organization. We've got the best people. We've got the best prices. We've got the best user experience. We have the longest history. Think about the claims that you make. These claims are good because they're you know, differentiators and you should have them. But if you think about some of them, how many other organizations or competitors of yours are making the same exact claim, especially on their website? When this happens in the marketplace, it just becomes noise for us as consumers. It doesn't really mean anything. So we could do better, right? Rather than just saying the thing like we, have those people? How can we show it in a way that actually helps us to own it? Like, what is it about the people that make them the best? Is it their experience? Is it the culture? How do we show those things? How can we, without having to say it, show these claims? This is how, if you think about those claims right now, they're differentiators. They could find them somewhere else. We're just going to Show it at all. You don't even have to show it better. Just how how do we show it at all? Um, claims are good. These are also fantastic selling tools because I've noticed that sellers really love to talk about things that make them different. I don't know why they do that. Kidding, of course. But they love these videos because they are the closest thing to an about us video that you can get. But it's based on a principle. Last but not least, in the selling seven is what we call the customer journey. If we had the option as as consumers to hear somebody say nice things about a company or about a product, or we could see and therefore experience their journey of attaining that thing, which would we choose? For many of us, we're going to choose the latter. That's what most people would tell me at least, right? Well, Zach, I'd rather see and experience the journey versus hearing nice things. And so if that's the case, if you want to see their experience, what are some of the things that you would like to see? Well, you probably want to see what was their problem they had initially? What were the different ways that they thought about solving that problem? What was it that told them that the the solution that they had was the right one? What was their experience uh, of, of receiving the solution? What do they think about it now? These are types of things that we want to see. These are also the reason why we love Disney movies because they use the hero's journey to just about everything, right? The reason that we love the hero's journey is because we, are so, we ourselves can identify with the hero. And that's why the customer journey video is no different. We would want customers to be able to see another customer, experience their journey and say to themselves, that's the journey I want. That's me that's the result that I'm looking for too. Not just saying nice things, but being able to say, that is exactly what I want to experience as well. We're gonna look at a quick example here from, from a previous client of ours burls, uh, jewelers. And we're going to hear a little bit from Claire here about her experience of of getting a custom bespoke uh, engagement uh, ring.
4: I had a really clear vision of how it would fit and how it would be like a sort of Replica of the engagement ring in miniature form around the ring. I found that a lot of jewellers are quite persuasive and felt like they were trying to sell you something. (laughs) But you don't really get that with Burrells, it's much more sensitive and you can really sense it's a family business. And it was more about what do you really want. So once I'd been to lots of other Jewellers, and I came into Burrells. It, it was an easy decision to just say, "What I found, I found the right jewellers. This is the, this is what I want, and, and these are the people I want to make my ring." I popped in and talked to somebody who immediately got it actually, and suggested that we go the. Best- Spoke route. We arranged to meet Sorrel and um, they were just so kind and Burrell's because he was, he was fully booked the Saturday that was the nearest Saturday to when I came in and um, very generously he came in a bit early to squeeze me in which was so kind. He, he has this sort of rare passion for his craft really, you could tell that he sort of lives and breathes jewellery designing and making and it was his absolute calling in life. Well, I'm sure he's like this with everyone, but I think it was—it wasn't just somebody who's coming in to buy an expensive ring. It was—it's a big life purchase for us, and and I think he—that was not lost on Cyril, and it was—it it felt like it was hugely important.
1: What a incredible craftsmanship that goes into these like bespoke pieces of jewelry, by the way. So, let's look at some of the principles that we see there. We hear about Claire's journey in the beginning. She was talking with many different jewelers, and what was her experience like? She found that many were quite persuasive, and she didn't really feel that when she was with the folks at Burl's. As they started working together, she said, it was clear that the, the gentleman that we were working with, he cared about our result. He came in on his day off. You could tell that he, this is his absolute calling in life. He loves what he does. Isn't that the quality that you would want out of somebody making you a bespoke piece of jewelry, especially something as important as a wedding ring? Incredible, right? But again, we got to see, hear, and know them in this experience, right? It's different than a testimonial. It's different than just hearing nice things. We get to experience a little bit about what they went through. And ideally speaking, for the folks at Burroughs and their prospects, they can watch this and go, that's the journey that I want. I want to be just like Claire. As As a a conclusion here of the selling seven, I want you to remember what the principle we're really talking about here is. It's not just about um, embracing some trend or doing video because everyone else is doing it, or even just doing it because Zach said you should do it. Remember, this is based on a timeless principle of trust. Just so happens this is one of the best ways that we can do it because they can get to know us by seeing us, hearing us, and knowing us before we see, hear, and know them. These are the questions. I'd ask yourself uh, you know how to think different for this week. Do we see video as a box to be checked or a truly valuable sales tool that empowers our buyer? What are the major claims that we make but we don't show? How much of our buying process can be navigated through video if the customer preferred to buy that way? And finally, are we willing to do the work and do what it takes to create world class video content and be the best in our industry. That's the selling seven y'all. Now, now's, now's uh, Nikki B's chance to get on the ones and twos. And we can ask some questions.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, if uh, if anyone has a question, you can DM the question to me directly. Or you can throw it in the chat. You can raise your zoom hand. Thanks, Catherine, we can get you going if you'd like. Um, you're okay. Um, I'm sure you have a question someone else has the exact same question so Catherine, we'll, we'll throw it to you first what's up
5: thanks so much this is so so helpful my question is a little broader than video if that's okay sure we um are just getting started we've all read the book on our team and are, you know making our content outlines the Exciting. top videos the top you know articles to do all of it but along the lines of but we're different um, we have a smaller ticket item that we sell. It's about $400. It's a membership that includes professional liability insurance. And people generally just buy it through our website. We don't do one-on-one sales calls. We don't have you know visits or anything like that. We have all the information on our website and people click and apply or they don't. So in that sense, I'm feeling like maybe we are a little different, but I'm sure there are examples that you guys have of other companies or products that are more like what we're doing and maybe examples that we could follow how we adapt this since there isn't necessarily that, that sales call phase.
1: Yeah, well, so what I would challenge is, is no matter what type of product it is, how niche it is, how different we might feel that it is. It's never as binary as they either buy this or they don't. Never that binary, right? It's a scale. And so we are trying to tip it in the favor of, for, for the folks that it is a good fit for, they should be buying it. And so what is it that's still there for them that's causing them FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And so in terms of where to get started, it's, it's identifying where, what are those, those misconceptions. What are those myths that they believe? What are those things that they are finding out there on the internet or from their friends or their peers, whatever, that just aren't true? Being willing to challenge those things and then say, there's a better way and you're a good fit for it, if blank, right? That should be the guiding light for, for your communication in general. So was it a, was, what is it that you're struggling with specifically? Is it, is it content topics that you want to address? Is it the user
5: experience of the website? And that we've got, it's sort of like, what is the process and the customer journey minus that, you know, click here to book your call or click here for the sales consult. Since we're not doing those, how do we navigate maybe with, around where that step would normally be Since we're not, since we don't have that step?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're still going to have questions. They're still going to have worries and fears. So, you know, make sure you have a learning center on your website that allows them to navigate through that themselves. Make sure that you've really taken a hard look at your your messaging. You know, we love story brand messaging here at Impact. We help a lot of our clients with it, right? Or, so I, I'm assuming you're direct, you're you're using that now?
5: We are using that. Yeah, we're working on yeah, yeah, that wonderful. also.
1: Wonderful, right? So so that's the that's the funnel we can use to get them to convert. Again, we're inviting them inviting them into a story. And so if you're doing both those things, Catherine, I'd say keep doing that. And another thing you can add as a guiding light is what a, what can we teach that nobody else is teaching right now what is something that we have that makes us unique that we can talk about is it a point of view that we have is it we
5: actually are have are are putting together a big training program that is something that no one else in our space is doing um and and really looking at at emphasizing that and using that as a you know calling card through the industry
1: yeah yeah the um you said it's personal liability insurance
5: a professional liability
1: professional liability insurance yeah I, f- I find that insurance too another thing Catherine is like taking things way back to the basics
5: it is and this is a smaller we're not you know c- c- creating custom packages and things really like our our membership with the insurance is four hundred dollars a year it's a it's a much lower ticket item than than most of the examples that i see
1: yeah
5: uh you know used with they ask you answer and all of this so i just was wondering is like is there something specific to these lower ticket items or, you know, is there an example out there? Because most of the ones that we see are are much bigger with a much more elaborate process just to see if there was one that, you know, was more similar that we could follow.
1: Yeah. Go check out Barry Insurance if you haven't seen their website
5: yet. Yeah, no, We actually just redid our website modeled almost exactly.
1: It's it. good. Hey, that's rip off and duplicate. We love that, right? Um, and what's the name, Catherine, of your company? It's the
5: Energy Medicine Professional Association.
1: Energy. Love it. I just wanted you to get a, get a plug in there, right? In case anybody. Oh, thanks. Can.
5: Yeah. Yes, we also have the Association of Professional Coaches. Love it. Yeah, it is good stuff. If I can ask one more question, we're we're it. not quite at the level to jump into HubSpot yet. Are there suggestions for how we might do like baby analytics? Where what are some useful things to sort of getting baby analytics with what we're doing before we're able to make the jump to HubSpot?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna let Nick take that one. He he's. Uh... He's the mayor Thank plan. you so much.
0: You know, so where are you hosting your stuff right now? That's well, so right question.
5: now we use an association um, uh, membership software called Wild Apricot and we use ClickFunnels for our for our funnels.
0: And are you specifically referring to tracking like videos or are you tracking just like overall content consumption? And... tracking
5: overall content. We're, we're in the process of creating the Learning Center on our website. So that would, uh, but I'm thinking about all the things that uh, Marcus was talking about in the book about, you know, knowing where people come from when they go to that landing page, how long they're there, where do they go after that to know is this article producing something for us or are we just, you know, wasting our time? Is this video producing something for us or are we, you know, just having fun in our own little video land?
0: Right. So my recommendation actually look into HubSpot Marketing Hub free. You can embed the tracking code right on, on your website. And you can get a whole suite of uh, analytics and information there that might just give you exactly what you need at like the we super high level. We missed
5: that they had anything free. Oh <laughs> yeah,
0: they have a awesome, and I, it's been a while since I've looked at their free tier, but they're always moving professional like paid features down into the free bucket as they've released new, new things. So I would check that out. That should give you a lot of good stuff. Um, offer the ability to host a certain amount of videos and things like that in their file manager for free as well so that should give you a pretty basic setup for kind of what you're trying to do with like early launch um as you get more elaborate then we move into tools like vidyard and stuff we can get all the watch time and all that stuff down but i would say for what you're trying to do hubspot free is definitely your best bet and then Obviously, like Google Analytics is going to be a great thing if you're looking for on-site behavior and funnels and things like that. Is another good option.
5: Awesome. I really appreciate you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Thanks, thanks for coming, Catherine. All um, right.
1: I, I can go ahead and address Michael's question here too in the chat. So I I, I breeze past this pretty quick. Product service pages and product service videos. Uh, six elements. What is it? So what is the product service? is it a good fit for not a good fit for when should I buy it is there a right time or a wrong time why should I buy it what problem is it going to solve for me ultimately um how much does it cost and how do I buy it all right so what's the next step do I need to book a call with somebody do I need to go to a certain page of the website whatever those are the six elements of product service page videos and product service pages
0: well, oh, man, I have, I think this is worth unpacking a little bit, which is Catherine's situation, just a little bit more on, because it's sticking with me, which is her ticket item is like 400 bucks. So it's not this like huge, huge purchase for like 6,000, 20,000, whatever it is. And it's not like an impulse buy. It's somewhere in between. And it, so this relates to one of the questions we got, which is this, where do I put these videos so that they're consumed in the right way? Is this a, is this a website thing, a YouTube thing, a both? Do I have a separate thing and just send them one off? in sales conversations which which we know doesn't necessarily apply to Catherine's situation. So let's talk a little bit about like, how do you use these videos? Where do you set them up based on your business, so that people consume them? And it gets the job done.
1: Yeah, so the the videos that we covered today aren't a great fit for your YouTube channel. Because every video that we talked about today is specific to you and your business. So you want people on your website to be watching these where i'd say use youtube is you know if you're they ask you answer practitioner the big 5 stuff right how much does a metal roof cost actually that example you would put on youtube right but if it was how much does sheffield metal sheffield metals metal roofs cost that would go on their website so you got them housed on the website and then you have them housed in a tool that the sales team uses so what i often do is i train sales teams on how to leverage uh, video with vidyard so i'm teaching them how to do one to one video but also how to embed their selling seven videos in a player that they can also send via email. So you don't always just have to send people to pages of the website. You can, in an email, go, hey, it's Zach here. And the video that's about to start playing in two seconds after I'm done here is a a video that answers a lot of common questions we get on the first sales appointment. Can't wait to see you. Boom, 80% video starts playing. And that you've integrated it in the sales process. It's really clean and crisp and sharp. And it's oh man, it feels good. So that's really the the ways that you want to use this. Get get them on the appropriate pages of the website and get them in the hands of your sales team and have them send them in an appropriate way, right? Don't be attaching MP4s to emails and stuff like that, right? Send people links, they can go watch it in a video player properly. YouTube's not great for it because you can't track anything. Not not the things you'd want to track when it comes to sales videos.
0: Right. In in Catherine's situation, where there's little to no sales people involved in this process, the goal here is consumption. So when we tee this up on the website, we want to put them in places where they're easily found, make them easily sortable, make them indexable. So that when someone goes to your site, talk about the learning center, someone can be able to find and it's not just, oh, I can sort by videos, any video will do. It's not the way that people navigate websites, people think about finding information. It's I need information on price. And I choose to consume that information in a video format. I need information on what it is that what this product or service is or is not. I choose to consume that in the format of a video. And we want it in every format, right? So like right now we're doing, we record this, we do this as a live, event, we syndicate it as a podcast, we chop it up into clips, and we have different ways of distributing, and then allowing people to consume the content. I would do the same, we have articles that cover the exact same things that we just covered today. So making sure that you're creating the content in a way that people want to consume it. And the goal here is consumption. Do people consume it, learn something that they didn't, and it encourages them, or guides them to making the right decision for them. All right.
1: I'm going to answer answer Michael's question here. And this might be the last one. But he says, Is there a, a less expensive alternative to Vidyard that will track viewing statistics for small business use? So Michael, it just depends on what you mean by viewing statistics. If if what, if what you're saying is like, we want to be able to see on a per like contact basis, like, if I came to your site, I filled out a form, and therefore you have my information, you wanted to see what videos I was watching what percentage. Um, that's video That's, that's the pro stuff. That's the good stuff. That's like top of the line. HubSpot video, though, like Nick alluded to earlier. <clears throat> if you if you're on HubSpot, you probably already have HubSpot video. Uh, up to a certain extent right you just have a limit on how many you can have in there and a limit on the statistics that you can get to um if you just want basic viewing analytics though of like how long do people watch your videos how many how many people have watched it whatever that's youtube vimeo those those will allow you to do that and those are free although vimeo has a business tool as well that's decent but it's not perfect So. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. If there are any questions that I didn't get to um, or that pop in your mind later, you can always email me directly at zbassner at and I will get back to you. If you'd like to share the session with your peers, your colleagues, the recording is going to be uploaded to our YouTube channel, and the audio will be uploaded to the But We're Different Live podcast. You can find them on any major podcast platform. We will be back here with another session of But We're Different Live next Tuesday, at 3 p.m. And we hope to see you there. Everybody have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday.
0: Thanks, everyone.